0: Welcome to Water Talk from the University of California Division of Agriculture and Natural Resources. I'm Dr. Molly Kanoko, a Cooperative Extension Specialist in Soil-Plant Water Relations and Irrigation Management.
1: I am Sam Sandoval. I'm a faculty and an Extension Specialist in Water Resources.
0: And I'm Faith Kearns, the Academic Coordinator for the California Institute for Water Resources. Thanks for joining us on Water Talk. Sam and I are co-hosting on our own today as Faith is busy finishing up her heavily anticipated book about science communication on challenging and emotional issues. Today, we are talking 4-H and water education programs. Our guests are Marianne Bird and Claudia Diaz-Carrasco. Both of them are 4-H Youth Development Advisors in Sacramento and Riverside County and they have a very important expertise and just a passion for youth development as well as water education. So welcome Marianne and Claudia.
1: Hey Claudia, hola. Can you explain us uh, what does 4-H means?
2: Yeah, 4-H is a youth development program and it's available for every youth in every county in California and in fact virtually in every county of the nation and parish, which make it the largest youth development program in the nation. And so 4-H stands for Head, Heart, Hands and Health. And youth 5 to 19 years old can participate in 4-H to clubs, schools, after school programs, camps and any other special interests that our county agents and our volunteers come up, you know, in their local communities. And I think what uh, it's important to note about 4-H is that kids and teens in our programs complete hands-on projects in areas like health, science, agriculture, but it's really about like the experience of just like, you know, diving into something, like getting your hands dirty, like, and then just trying to figure out things uh, with caring adults right so it's not about like experts but it's about real community people that get empowered and trained by our university people and then just helping youth come up with their own learning
1: hey uh, i've i've been reading that there is a high impact of these programs in the retention of students uh, throughout their education Uh, can you talk about also that claudia
2: yeah definitely so you know I mean, just in my personal experience, but also on the research side, so one of the biggest outcomes that 4-H member has is that they become great public speakers, right? You know, our youth is comfortable, you know, whether talking in front of like a five-year-old or talking in front of our senators or assembly members. In fact, just last week, we have some Zoom calls with some of our elected officials, and it's impressive how youth develop the confidence, not only to talk about what they learn in our programs, but also how they use this learning to help their communities, so that gets me to the second one our youth like usually are like more highly engaged you know in their communities they are civically engaged as well they are like four times more likely to be engaged you know in participation outside uh for each activities than other people's also there is like you know longitudinal studies that show that the youth that participate in 4-H become like, you know, more college and career ready. They have to present less, you know, non-desire behaviors. Um, they just live healthier lives than the rest of their peers.
0: That's very interesting. Just the idea that the experiences that the kids that participate in 4-H are going to follow them through through their lives and have these like long lasting impacts. Kind of thinking about that, Development of youth experiential learning and youth leadership, Marianne, I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about a water education program that you are involved with called the Water Wizards, which I think is just a wonderful name
3: yeah, well, water wizards, uh, thank you for having for having me on the on your podcast today. yeah, Water wizards actually the program. Began in 2006, which was about the time that uh, Harry Potter was a big was still big news. So that was how we came up with the name. Um, and uh, back in those days, I was uh, approached by a colleague. Uh, there was um, a, a, some grant from our national 4-H council um, to do water education, and my colleague said, "I really think you ought to do this in Sacramento." The purpose of the project it needed to be water based and you know really what we do in water wizards is increase uh, students understanding of water all sorts of issues around water and different properties about water also to increase uh, awareness and commitment to wanting to make changes in our community in order to be able to conserve and protect this valuable resource so we created a 12 week curriculum that's part of the project it's delivered to fourth through sixth graders in expanded learning programs. So these are programs that are after school, typically here in Sacramento County. They're in lower income communities. And uh, what we do is we train their staff to deliver this 12 week curriculum. So the curriculum is in three different units. The first unit has four sessions that include the water cycle, watersheds pollution, understanding water usage. The second unit is about water properties. So kids do experiments testing salinity, water density, hardness. They do a blind taste test the different types of bottled water to see which kind of water really tastes the best. And then the last component, this totally ties in with what Claudia was saying earlier. In 4-H, we have really a community action part of our program, and it's a service learning project where the students learn the importance of improving their communities and then make a plan and carry out a plan to make an effect on a water issue where they live. But I think probably the really exciting thing about water wizards is that it's not just that we wanted kids to um, learn about water, but we wanted them to actually be scientists and to discover as much as they could the information on their own. So when we... Talk about watersheds. We don't talk about watersheds. The kids build model watersheds and they see what happens when they make it rain on their watershed and where the water goes. Or when we talk about pollution, we actually have, you know, and purchase these enviroscapes where the kids read a story and they put different pollutions on this large plastic model and they can see when it rains where the pollution goes. They actually make an egg float by adding. Salt to water. When it comes to learning about water usage, they do a survey in their family. They see how often toilets get flushed, how many loads of laundry get get done, how often the lawn gets watered, and then they're able to take that data and compare it amongst their classmates. So it's really the idea of helping kids to become scientists and to discover what we know about water on their own.
0: How old typically are are the kids who are participating in the twelve week program? Like, is it a summer school? Is there you know what's the range and then kind of similarly who typically are the folks who decide to become instructors
3: okay so the students who receive the program the, is actually uh, their fourth fifth and sixth graders and the people who decide quote-unquote to become instructors are people who are working in after-school programs right now Uh, predominantly in the Elk Grove Unified School District. So we actually have a contract with Elk Grove Unified. Uh, We serve about 400 of their students annually with the project. So these may be program leaders that just happen to be working with the fourth and fifth graders, so they sort of get voluntold that they'll be doing this. Or they may be people who have an interest in teaching science or just in working with 4-H. Oftentimes, they come with, uh, I think, like a lot of the general public with a minimal knowledge base about water. And so when we do our trainings, we actually do three different three-hour trainings with them. So they actually get to do the hands-on activities in these three different components with their colleagues before we send them out with their equipment to to do it with, with the
1: youngsters. So... I mean, I, this is a very nice science and awareness program that you're what you're developing, and it seems that there is a need also for water education at an at an early age. I know I know that Claudia you have been also working in in similar science and awareness water programs. Can you share with us the Disney Conservation Fund project that you lead with these multicultural, multilingual children from disadvantaged communities in Riverside?
2: So yeah, I can tell you about the Disney Conservation Fund. So like a couple of years ago, uh, similar to Marianne's case, National Forage Council reached out to Disney, and they had the primary goal of providing access to forage programs and outdoor education. But they were really targeting uh, their funding to underserved urban youth, right? So you know, in Southern California, because the dense population, sometimes like youth had no idea, uh, you know, where the water is coming from. And so our priority goal was to cultivate like just positive attitudes towards the environment and then in fostering in the youth the responsibility to protect nature and and in the counties riverside county for, for the people you know in a state or outside that are not familiar we have desert we have mountains we have chaparral and so i was looking for something or an environment that could bring together all the youth in the county right uh but we are all water consumers and so that's what i really appreciate the invitation to this poster right because i couldn't become myself an expert on forest on desert but i think that like if we put something together that was like close close to the kids and that brings the community like water needed to be it and uh, you know I myself didn't know anything about the Santa Ana watershed which is a uh, you know the system that feeds most of our use it in the LA, LA Riverside and San Bernardino area and so for me it was like a fascinating experience to really connect the urban youth especially minority youth like to the places where there used to be a river and there is no longer a river, right? Like I mean the people they drive by it every day and there's like, is it a watershed? Like what's happening? Um, and I think uh, also the way that I did it was meaningful because I was not born and raised in the U S and, you know, and, and I do have like two science degrees, uh, but when water was not being an expertise, just learning to know the technicalities, you know, how, how, what's the difference between a river, like, you know, or like a, a watershed or, I mean, just guiding through the youth from this basic process was, uh, you know, was really humbling. And then I realized the importance, right? Like some of the kids, uh, in the underserved areas like fail sign classes and half of it is just the vocabulary, right? Mm-hmm. So I was able to provide a project having this cultural sense on mind and knowing that I needed they needed to learn from the scratch, right? And 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 so that, that's what the Disney Conservation Fund allowed us to do. And they give us an, uh little room to reach out to scientists like, like you guys in the Water Institute, like Sam, and say like, you know, how can we put this information to the hands of the kids? And definitely Water Wizards, like was a way to, how do we start diving in? And then uh, we made adaptations for the type of youth that we were serving.
1: And Claudia, I think you also did the same kind of a, community engagement with this project in terms of bringing them I think it was a a watershed of one of the Santa Ana places when they were you were actually walking with the children for the watershed and you received some interesting comments from the Santa Ana Water Authority could you share that with us
2: yeah, definitely. You know, there was actually like a nonprofit that works here down in the area, and they do like a water camp during the summer, right? So, like, with I mean, similar to Marianne, we don't just wanted to talk about the watershed, but we wanted the kids to know that I was like right in the community. So we end going to the um, Marta McNeil Maro Spars, which has you know it goes through one of the uh, non-treated areas of the of the Santa Ana River. And there was like a bunch of kids that had to go to this paid camp, right? That You know, uh, you know, that these uh, nonprofits puts together and, uh, and they were, you know, I got there with my bosses. We have like 80, you know, like young kids from Urban Riverside and San Bernardino, most of them youth of color. And kind of when I got there were say so like, hey, you know, can we share the river? You know, this is a public place, but you know. And so people was like, Where are these kids coming from? And you know, for me it's like we all live here around the corner, right? But it was just definitely like one of these sense diversity that the kids that were participating in a paid program was completely different than the you of color that was working in my program right and so it was beautiful like you know they say like well we try to engage you to bring just like them but they never want to participate right and so like we get getting into a conversation how about being culturally appropriate is important you know how about for latino families i mean they are not going to sign up the kid to the camp you know i have i was in a full bus because some tias were coming and primos you know and, (laughs) and, and and the family and 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 you know, it it was for me really uh, an opportunity to show them that the Latina community is interested in water education. We do like outdoor recreation. We do like be- becoming in nature. But sometimes organizations fail to have the internal expertise to truly understand what would be the most appropriate way to bring this population right. And so, I think just that 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 just. Increase my passion of working in water conservation and and for me as an extension advisor being the bridge, right? I know there is organizations that had great scientists, but they had no clue how to engage the community, right? And that was for me so meaningful being participating with you guys in the podcast because... We we are meant to be that bridge, right? And there is like the science shouldn't be a barrier to teach, you know, water conservation. The culture shouldn't be a barrier to teach water conservation. We are all Californians. And so we all need to work together for everybody to
3: receive the message. You know, the, the wow that kids get when they see something for the first time, when they have an experience, to me, that's why I do my job. I mean, I we, one of the things that all of the kids that take water wizards get to do is they have a field trip to the American River Water Education Center up here in, in Sacramento locally, um, where they get to, uh, you know, see Folsom Lake and see the American River and um, go places that are very close to them, but they, they oftentimes don't get to. But the real, real wow for me is uh, we have a, a grant to one of our um, through the uh, County Department of Water Resources, to be able to take kids to the Bay Delta Model and to see the Pacific Ocean uh, down in Sausalito. and we get to, we get to take two bus loads of kids down there. We get enough money for that, and these kids, you know, just watching them at the ocean and the whole effective learning that takes place, um, just being there, you know, it's just is it just is fabulous. I mean, it's it's one thing, you know, to learn. Uh, from books, but it's really another thing to learn from experience. And I think in 4-H, that's really what what we try to do is to help um, young people, not just to understand with their hearts, but when people get to actually experience water in these different contexts, um, you know, they get to learn not just with their heads, but also with their hearts.
0: I, I was just reflecting on this idea that it takes a certain kind of approach to encourage participation from communities that haven't participated in the past. And I I know that for for me growing up, when I thought of 4-H, I thought of, you know, a very like rural feel and taking care of animals and growing a a prize-winning tomato or something. And I was curious if that type of perception existed in some of the communities or, or if they you know, had knowledge of 4-H or like what kind of strategies did you use to introduce the organization to, to these communities? Yeah,
2: definitely. I can kind of speak to it and I think Marianne can also offer her perspective. So again, uh, you know, I mean just my story and how I came to be an advisor. Uh, you know, in the US again, I, I was born and raised in Mexico City. I don't even knew that extension advisor was a profession, right? But I was always passionate about using science to improve the lives of people. I think with the Latino community that didn't knew about forage when I was new. For me, it was not really about like, you know, like any other organization, like putting the brand out there, you know, like it was not to make a marketing campaign of letting people know. It, but it was really about understanding the needs of that community, right? You know, of course, it was convenient for me that people wanted to come and participate in 4H, right? And just in terms of outreach or like meeting the goals of our organization. But, I, you know, I really want to, as any, uh, you know, good extension agent, like I wanted to understand what's going on there, you know? if we have the river just like two or three miles out uh, in the community, why people is going or not going there. And it was really by getting closer to the parents that sometimes they speak English and sometimes they speak Spanish. And say like, Hey, why don't you let the kids to the river? Right. And they they will tell me these stories, like, you know, whether it's polluted or, like, we don't go there because the police might be there. Or we have been there and the people in the park hasn't treated us well or they always want us to be out. And so what's for me really understanding, like, you know, people is interested, but we, the organizations, like, we who are supposed to, like, be opening our doors, we don't know how to do this, right? And I can totally see, especially when we're doing water testing, right? How this water is like super acidic, right? What is not fit for kids to go and swim there, right? But families doesn't know this. But I love what Marianne say, like what the families get is the first experience, right? Like it's like, where they treat me well? Did they yell at me? Did they yell at me in a language that I don't even understand, right? Uh, uh, And a park ranger can totally do this in a you know, trying to make the kids safe. It could be, like, good intentions, just, you know, like, this is not appropriate weather, but the way that how the message is delivered matters, you know, and, and I give webinars really just around, like, this cultural appropriate practice. I'm happy to follow up. I don't want to take much time right here. But I think the question is, like, how do you know about the community? I think for each that's a good thing. It's about, like, helping youths learn whatever they are interested and then getting volunteers and families, uh, you know, together for the sake of the youth so I, I I didn't see like a challenge when when people didn't knew about 4-H or the you know when people had the same vision like you were sharing like oh isn't this about like cows and you know farming and I was like yeah it is but and we also do water education and we also do leadership right so it's always like the adding and this mentality of oh, how else we can contribute to what we have in front of us.
3: Well, I I wanted to say, too, that in some communities, I think that what Malika was saying about, you know, the stereotype that people have of 4-H is really true. But in some communities where all they've known is 4-H as water education or 4-H as a chance for their kids to be able to learn more about the natural world, they don't even know sometimes that we have a club program, you know, and that we have kids that are raising animals. So, um, I mean, I, I think that they are surprised when they do a traditional 4-H conference, like the state leadership conference, and all of a sudden they see that their the 4-H world is much bigger than what they had experienced. So
0: there's so many avenues that you can use to engage, you know, youth and communities, growing food, trees, recreation, forests. Like what what made the two of you decide to choose water specifically?
3: So I didn't choose water. Water chose me, <laughs> you know. Like a lot of us. I mean, when I was first, you know, asked to take this, it was a, a small amount of money. It was fifteen thousand dollars to create some sort of program that they had very large asp- a little amount of money for very large aspirations, like serve five hundred underrepresented youth. You know, do water testing as a part of it. I mean, there was a long laundry list. So at first I said no, and then and then I, they came back to me and I said yes, and I knew nothing. I really knew very, very little about water at the time, and I have learned so much about it, and now what I appreciate, because my awareness has been heightened, is just it is always in the news. It doesn't matter if it's drought, if it's flooding, if it's t- tunnels, if it's salmon, if it's restoration, there is all, it's such a, Critical part of of our economy and and these young people that we're working with these are our future decision makers. You know the voters and also the the problem solvers that are going to help us. You know navigate. So it's important for them not just to understand it but to value it. And uh, in my case, I'm going to have a wonderful. um, I love being in the outdoors. I love backpacking and all of that. I want a generation. That really understand that they are the future stewards of this planet. And water is central to that. And um, you know, and uh in especially for our kids and population in urban environments, there's a greater disconnect there. And so helping them to 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 know and to understand, as I said, not only with their head but with their heart and, and to be, and to be committed to action, whether that's turning off the faucet when they're brushing their teeth or you know working to help legislation get passed for something that they feel is important I think that that's 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 the goal thank you
2: so much Marianne that was beautiful I think for me you know again when when I moved to California uh, you know after graduate school and I remember like you know again water is one of the strategic initiatives of our division right and I I will hear it you know and I remember for the first year similar to you you, Malika like I was traveling uh, you know across the state trying to to, to get this, I remember in the South Coast Research Center here in Irvine, seeing some displays about how your your front lawn yard needed to be adapted to be drought tolerant, right? So there was like this drought talk, uh, In my brain, and I was like, they're always talking about this, right? You know, I mean, I get it's important, you know, but like I grew up, uh, you know, in the city down in Mexico, that we always have like a rain season, right? Like there was like these three months that like the streets flood of water. So like when I got here, I was just like, well, they say there is drought, and and you know, I, I, I I mentally understand it, but I think it's like Marianne is well pointing. It's about a change of heart it was not until a year that I've been here in Southern California. And then like one day I was running, uh, you know, after work and then I see some droplets and it was like a three minute rain and it was over. And I was like, I've been living here for a whole year. And I got to see like, you know, like, I don't know, like a millimeter of inch of water in Southern California. Right. And so I think for me, that was the moment that hit me and say like this matters, you know, people need to know because I mean, I am a scientist, right? Like, I'm a scientist, and and I scientifically knew that there was a topic that all Californians should be working in, but until I personally say, like, wow, this is different, and, 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 you know, and as Marianne is saying, this is going to accept future generations. We need to be taking right decisions now. That's why when, you know, one of the first projects that I did with our communities was just, like, you know, like Disney Conservation Fund, thank you. Let's just like go go and figure out how this is going to impact in our lives. And so I did it. And I was lucky to have, as you're saying, inside the organization, good mentors that are water experts that want to spread the message and that were happy to collaborate with us, you know, that are like non water wizards. We're just like youth educators, but they are passionate about like passing the message in the appropriate ways.
1: For both of you, what would you like those of you, uh, those, those of us outside of the 4 H world, to know about what you do and how can we support you
2: those are great questions i think uh you know we have different audience in the podcast but it's just uh, what i say like just reach your county agent I, I always tell people you know people when they so 4-h is delivered to volunteers right like i'm like one person one staff in an area that covers five million people right so like I, i'm blessed to have an army of 500 volunteers that are out there in the community centers in schools, that after school stuff that is being trained, you know, like it's an army. And so I tell people like, you know, you have something to teach the youth, whether when I say one of the moms, like, you know how to make salsa, do you want to want to teach salsa to these kids? Or, you know, whether like I go to Sam and say like, you know, Sam, like, you know how weather really works. Can you come and do like a 30 minute, you know, kids talk about this, Right. So it's just like having in mind that they all have something to contribute to other youth. And then if they reach to the office, for sure we'll find a job for them, right? And so just like wander around the county website, put 4H. 4H.org has a national, uh, you know, thing that you put your zip code and it find a club near you. So don't be afraid. And I tell them for I can either do like a thing that do like half an hour once a year or something that takes over your life. So <laughs> definitely a wealth of opportunities to contribute.
3: And I just want to add, too, to what Claudia is saying. I think so if there was something that I think I would like, it would be, you know, being able to have closer connections and partnerships um, and to be seen, for 4-H to be seen as a valuable uh, part of what we're doing in terms of community education and, and solving community problems and that I could be seen as a, you know, as a vector to help to make that happen.
0: Wow well I really appreciate that answer and I I think that you had one partner with Sam and now you have one totally. with me too <laughs> of the community and I we see you and hopefully this is going to be a platform for for others across the different science and policy communities to see for h for the army that it is
1: yeah and 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 I can say that yeah I mean I, I encourage everyone to join forces with 4-H. is really fun.
0: Thanks for listening and join us next time on Water Talk.